Welcome to the Alberta Wedding Podcast, a platform for Alberta wedding professionals and couples to connect, learn, and share ideas. I'm your host, wedding videographer Kevin Marr. With over 100 weddings behind me, I'm your guide to all things weddings in this great province of ours. So I am really excited for this next conversation I'm about to have. I've got Dave Faye here. He is an adventure elopement photographer based on Banff. I've worked with him, him and uh, and his wife, Natalie. Uh, so lovely. Worn Leather Media is her company. Dave, I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Finally, it's taken some time with our schedules being what they are. I'm really looking forward to this conversation that we're going to have about elopements because this is an area that I'm definitely trying to lean more into and you're the the expert when it comes to this. So welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. It's great to be here. Yeah, no, uh, I'm really glad to have you here. So let's go back in time and I, I really want to hear your origin story a little bit, uh, share as much or as little detail as you want, but... I know you're not originally from Alberta. You're at import, I guess. And I'm I'm an import too, I guess. I'm from Ontario too. Uh, so many of us are. Right, right. Um, yeah. But I'm really curious to know how you got into photography and then specifically into weddings and then like really like narrowing down into now adventure elopements. That's what you specialize in now. So just to... Uh go completely off base here. I got my start doing photography, photographing concerts. I was in a band way back in the day. My line is I used to be cool. It's how I, it's how I roped my wife in, but that's a, that's a different story. And as a band, we decided we were going to start making vlogs, which are like video blogs on obviously online content important for all those sorts of things. As we know, it's why we're here right now. So we got into doing that. I bought a camera and a lens or whatever to start making that happen. And once we did make that happen, I realized I had this gear and I'm like, man, I should learn how to take some photos with it. So <laughs> the world I knew was was at the time was live music. So that was what I started started photographing, which I, I, I think is a fairly common story with, with photographers where we kind of get the itch that we want to take photos and we just take photos of whatever's in front of us. And for me, that happened to be rock and roll. So that was fun. So I started doing that for my friends' bands, and it took off fairly quickly for me. I I went in with the ethos that I wanted to take photos, basically of other people that I wish I had of my of myself, and that worked out pretty well, I guess. Um, I guess other people also enjoyed those photos, and so I started like we started doing local club shows or whatever for friends' bands, and it started shooting for a blog or whatever, and it kind of just picked up steam. Some of it was right place at the right time with other people quitting or whatever as happens and ended up shooting some like higher level like A or B list artists. Uh, eventually, my kind of claim to fame is I was an accredited photographer for the Junos twice. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's not, not bad. American listeners probably won't know what we're talking about, but that's fine. And from there, and I, I say that if you do any kind of photography well enough, someone will eventually ask you to photograph their wedding. And that is what happened to me, as has happened to so many of us. And it kind of transitioned there. And I realized that weddings were a combination of things that 
I enjoyed from the concert photography world where it was event-based and things were things were happening right away and you only had one chance to show them. If, if some dude's running across the stage and decides to jump off a monitor, you got to see that, anticipate the moment, and then grab your frame. And you've got seconds to do this. And in some ways, weddings are similar where these moments are happening, something happens between bride and, and mom or whatever, and you kind of have to anticipate and grab it. So there was that aspect of it. And I also just really like going to parties. And so weddings are, my the line I use is I go to the best party of somebody else's life every Saturday night. And so those two things came together and I just really immediately, like immediately realized I really, really love everything about this. I love photographing weddings. I love going to weddings. I love hanging out with people when they're super excited and in love and it's one of the, I was talking about this with my groom on Sunday, that it's kind of the one day where it's, and this is a longer conversation about whether or not it should be acceptable every day, but it's the one day where it's totally acceptable for guys to kind of show their emotions. And he's like, he's worried he's going to cry in front of his friends. And I'm like, dude, everyone's expecting you to do this. And not only is is it okay, but it's actually awesome that you clearly love your your future wife a whole bunch and you're happy to show that to everybody. And so anyways, I'm immediately rambling here, but that's kind of how how I got into and and fell in love with with photographing weddings. No, I love that. And I share the same feelings when it comes to weddings is I had been part of uh, weddings in the past, mainly for family gone to a few weddings as a guest and yeah i always loved it i loved the the dance i loved the whole idea of people coming together for a joyous occasion and i'm a hopeless romantic if you uh would look at my old dvd collection it was all these rom-coms and uh my, my wife came in with her star wars and harry potter you know, collections. So you can see where our backgrounds were, <laughs> but that's okay. That's a, that's a whole other podcast episode. But no, I, I love how it kind of just transitioned. And I think for, for a lot of people, as you mentioned, we do kind of fall into this. It's not like we grow up thinking, oh, I want to be a wedding photographer. You know, some do. I know some photographers that have said, you know, they've wanted to do this since they were in high school. And that's awesome that you're doing what you've been wanting to do your, your entire life. But I think for a lot of us, we do kind of fall into it. Absolutely. This is my second career. I was a hotel manager beforehand. Thought I was going to be doing a lot of traveling as a hotel manager. Never happened, really. I've done more traveling with being a wedding filmmaker now. And so that's been amazing. So I'm curious to know, like, I'm not trying to age you or anything here, but when <laughs> when... Did you get into like what year did you get into photography? Uh, and this was back in Ottawa. Yes, back in Ottawa, I probably started doing photography twenty fourteen ish. Okay, this beautiful sign behind me that nobody says, nobody can see, says that I was established twenty sixteen, which is when we started photographing weddings. Okay, and I've been I've been doing the concert thing for a few years before that, fairly steadily. I was out often two or three nights a week while working full-time, as so many of us are when we start out kind of doing that. And it was almost entirely volunteer sort of stuff. It sounds like I was working for a charity. It was not a charity. Uh, It was just getting free concert tickets. But (laughs) just, just, just getting out and 
it was fun, man. It was, it was, you get into concerts for free and you, you go to concerts now and everybody's there with their phones out. Yeah. Obviously we, we get some level of enjoyment just by, by photographing or, or creating these, these, I mean, creating, I'm making air quotes, but you can't see them, but creating these memories. And there's a whole, they've actually done studies where, because there's that whole thing where people say, you know, put your phone away and enjoy the moment. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that. I can tell stories about times when I've fallen into that trap. But they have done studies where they have found that people actually can get more enjoyment out of stuff when photographing it at the same time. And it's a give and take. You have to... I've caught myself at concerts realizing I was really in the moment and I was like, oh, I should take a photo of this. Like I wasn't there in a, in a professional capacity and, I, you know, you get the little camera out and it, I immediately realized that as soon as I was struggling with my little camera that I wasn't enjoying the offspring as much as, as much as I was five minutes prior before I got my camera out. And so it's a, I think it's give and take, but there is, there have been studies that show that we actually get more enjoyment by taking our cameras. I'm not going to say phones out and kind of creating photographs while while in these times and so for me being at those concerts getting getting to create those photographs while being in a mosh pit listening to music that i really loved was just a whole almost like a warm fuzzy hug i love it that you had to be really careful and not to get punched but yeah for sure do you remember your first wedding that you ever photographed i do do you want to talk about it how it went and do you ever look back at those photos and and is it cringy or you're like you know you're proud of how far you've come since then my photos back then were a lot better than my editing was back then i can definitely say that (laughs) the photos weren't bad i actually i think and again i'll reference back to the concert stuff i think that was where i you know as they say you cut your teeth or whatever i i learned i made my mistakes and so coming in i mean i've certainly made mistakes at weddings as well but Coming in, I already had a lot of those, the kind of event photography things sorted out. So I didn't have a lot of those kind of noob moments where, you know, my camera just exploded in my hand. So I <laughs> forgot to, I was accidentally in JPEG the whole wedding or any oh of that stuff. Oh my goodness, um, yeah. <laughs> I think every photographer has done that at some point. I know, we'll get back to that, but I have a funny story later on at the end. We'll talk about what I did on my first wedding as a wedding filmmaker which you'll you'll find funny, but yeah, no, I forgot your question now. Oh, I was just saying like, uh, looking back, just like, are you proud of, you know, how, how far you've come since then? And just like comparing the work from then to now. Very, very proud of how far, um, I'm going to say we here, and you'll probably notice I switch back and forth between I and we all the time, because I do photograph with my wife a lot. I'm very proud of how far we have come both in, the way we're taking photos, and this is going to touch on something that I'm very passionate on when it comes to wedding and elopement or just basically couple photography in general. The, I mean, for sure, the photos have gotten better, the way we do compositions and all that. But the experience that we're providing to our couples and the experience that they have while making photos is its very different. We've obviously like fine-tuned the machine a little bit. Sorry for those people in those first couple of weddings. Hopefully you're not listening <laughs> to this. It's that experience where we're really creating this. We're, we're walking out of sessions with couples and I'm getting, I'm going to say dudes here. Sometimes it's the ladies, but more often it's the dudes going, man, I was so worried about this. 
I really don't like having my photo taken. It was so much fun. I just, it felt like we were just hanging out the whole time. And that for me is, is so important that when we talk about how we've improved, it's the only, obviously it's the only thing I want to talk about because it's for me, the most important part of the whole thing. I want you to look back at those photos in 10 years and remember the awesome time you were having with your partner. Remember how madly in love you were not, look back and go, oh, this photo is so epic. Look how the light came in from the side and there's these little dots, we call them bokies, yeah. that, that are all over the photo. No, Nobody cares about that in 10 years. What the, people the, care the about The highlights were years. protected. Look at that. Oh my goodness. Right? I mean, always protect the highlights. <laughs> crazy now. But no, it's it's creating those those moments and those, those I hate the, the term creating memories, but being part of memories that are created, being part of those of those moments so that in 10 years you look back and you go, man, we were so in love back then. And that's the only thing I want. So cheesy. But it's the only it's thing true, I want though. I want people to be to be saying. I don't want, oh, our photographer was really great. I mean, I want you to say your photographer was great, but our photographer was really great. And cool looking. Like you're a cool looking dude. <laughs> Nobody gets to appreciate I mean, I wish people could see, like you have to go to your Instagram page, which we'll uh, plug later, to see your glorious bun and your beard. I mean, I'm jealous. I wish I could pull it off like you can. I've got this swanky pineapple scrunchie in yeah. as well. Very stylish man over here. Very, very. <laughs> Natalie's a lucky, lucky woman. I won't. I will not disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she gets to listen to this. Yeah. So it's it's for me. That's why. That's what I'm. I'm really passionate about. With you didn't ask me what I was passionate about. You asked me about something else, and I've rambled on again, haven't I? No, that's okay. It's all good. We're just two dudes, two <laughs> cool dudes that are having a conversation about love and weddings and absolutely all that jam. So no, nope. oh, that's what you were talking about. I definitely did not see myself doing this in high school. I. I'm going to say second career for me, but kind of third. Just my career as a rock star was very unsuccessful. I mean, it was a little bit successful, but that's a different story. Do you have a MySpace page? I did, actually. One of the first the first bands I was in had a... See, yes, now we're I love definitely it. dating ourselves. Yeah, here. yeah, for sure. <laughs> I did have a MySpace page. I'm not going to start dropping links for that no, stuff. No, no, no. Maybe you can message me and ask, but... Yeah, no, like I, I thought I was going to be a rock star and then I got into the trades. And for a little while, I thought I was going to do the like white picket fence thing or whatever. Uh, that's not what I did. And I'm very happy. But no, not, not in a million years. If you'd been like, hey, Dave, you're going to be a wedding photographer, I would have probably said something very inappropriate because it was the late 90s at the time. And that's what we did. Yeah. And now I would not trade this job for anything in the world. If I won the lottery, I would probably continue to do it for free because I love going to parties and hanging out with people who are super in love. And Me too. I do this for free too if I could, but yeah, I can't because I got mortgage, got price. bills. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Groceries. So you started taking photos really uh, professionally in 2014. Your company started in 2016. So in that time, like when did you know like that things are about to change here and that was there a, like a certain event or, or wedding that you attended that you're like, okay, this is it. This is who I am. This is where I'm meant to be. So I knew almost right away. 
Oh, like, okay. So it was love at first sight in a lot of ways. Yeah. yeah. So, so the first two weddings, the first, you asked about the first two weddings I shot, the first, or the first wedding I shot, the first two weddings I shot were with some friends back home. One of them was uh, Mark Lebrecht. The other one was Alexander Vlad. They were both influences me on the t- at the time. They were gracious enough to not only allow me to come in and second shoot, because at the time, you know, those first couple of gigs, you have no experience. You're just looking for someone to give you a shot. They not only allowed me, but actually insisted that they pay me for my time, which was very nice and something I believe is is important to do. And those ones probably weren't, I probably didn't do them then and and say, hey, this is going to be the rest of your life. I know I did enjoy them, but at the time there was probably still more of a monetary motivation behind it. I was like, oh, this is something I could do with my camera and make re- like a real income at it. I'm, I'm getting more than $12 an hour. Yeah. So I could turn this into a job. <laughs> But it wouldn't have been many in. We moved out to Alberta in 2017. And once we kind of started doing like our own weddings, like when when I was the, the leader or whatever, it was very quickly realized like this is something that I enjoy every part of this job. And down the road, there's one or two parts of the job that I'm probably not as keen on. But the very vast majority of it, certainly the entirety of the day itself, I just, it doesn't even feel like work to me. It's its honestly like, I feel like I'm honored to have been invited to my friend's weddings. And of course, yeah, I'm going to say they're not my friends and they are kind of my friends by this point. But but that's... There's a relationship there. I just, I just love it. There is absolutely a relationship. I, I, I feel that relationship is is a hugely important part of the of the whole thing. That's a that's a podcast in itself, I think. But but yeah, it was it was very soon that I realized, hey, this is something I am. I don't want to say uniquely suited to it, but I I definitely have all those little tick boxes. I've got that right personality where I enjoy it. People generally enjoy hanging out with me. I think I can hundred and something weddings in. I can say now with a bit of certainty that that we we bring a good energy to the room, and I think that's so. I believe that's so important. And so anyways, all that to say, I, I was almost right away, fell in love with the weddings thing, started doing that. And then I'm going to ask myself the next question you're about to ask me when we transitioned more into the elopement stuff. We realized that once we were out here and I was like, hey, hiking's pretty awesome. These mountains are pretty awesome. I'd love to be doing more of this. Well, getting to hang out with people who also think the mountains are awesome and also think that hiking is awesome and also think that camping is awesome while they're getting married. That's very awesome. That's that culmination of all of it together where it's, it's the same when I was doing concert stuff and photography and it was all the things that I loved together. Well, I've moved a little bit on, I still love music, but we've moved a little bit on into the away from the concert stuff into the wedding stuff. And it's all the things that I love. It's what I do in my spare time combined with what I do at work. And for me, I, some people, that's like a nightmare. They're like, I don't want to do my personal things and my work things together. For me, I do want to do those things together because I love my job Same. and I love hiking. So why don't I just go hiking for my job? And that, I mean, and there's, and we can, I'll let you ask those questions, but we can talk more about for the couple, what the great things about eloping are. But for me, it's just, it's just getting to go hiking while I'm at work. It's it's amazing. It's the best thing in the world, like being surrounded by the scenery and the mountains and nature and very lucky. What were some of those uh, early challenges, you know, uh, when you moved out here 
from Ontario and you were trying to get your feet wet here, try to like solidify your name out here, get your your brand out there. What were some challenges that you faced uh, then that you really felt like pushed you to the next level? This is the second last question that I still have notes written down for, but I do have notes for this one. Okay, sounds good. So the obvious things when you move any business across the country, you know, getting your name back out there, building referral network, that sort of stuff, like you're just reestablishing yourself. Um, a lot of wedding industry stuff in general, a huge amount of the the work comes from referrals. Mm-hmm. And whether it's from other vendors who I've met a ton of awesome vendors out here, it's a hugely supportive community, which is beautiful to see as often it is not in the creative fields. So I get to meet wicked people such as yourself through that. And then also referrals from clients. Just you you do a good job and they're, they're excited about their photos. And frankly, they want... It's validating to have your friends hire the same wedding photographer that you did because it's almost like your friends saying, yeah, I really love your photos. Your photos are great. Yeah, I want my photos to be like your photos. And so that that stuff, obviously, like that was a challenge building that up. We were... It was a challenge, but we were like, hashtag blessed on having a lot of really great clients who were really incredibly supportive to us. They, a lot of them have turned into genuine friends. Good. We did brunch like a week or two ago with a couple whose wedding we photographed in 2019, maybe 18. And a, a lot of them stick around because we just, you spend all this time together. Anyways, so building out, like getting the referral network stuff going. Another struggle, and this is less geographical, but just something that, I think a lot of us as creatives struggle with is getting through the noise of online communities. So much of our, and I referenced that there was a, a great community of other vendors out here to be friends with, yep. which is amazing. And, and probably one of the, like, had that not existed, I don't know that I would be where I am today. But still, we all work at home during the day by ourselves and invariably... In silos. Yeah, in silos. And so invariably, there's a TV in the silo and that TV is connected to social media. And that's where we get a lot of our... My, my cubicle, the, the, my next door cubicle neighbor, neighbor yeah. is on Facebook, which is not a good thing, but it's... It's the, it's the Wild West. It's... <laughs> so you get out there and you get into these groups and there's so much noise and without going down the rabbit hole of, of social media and, and the echo chamber that it is, it's an echo chamber. And so you end up in these communities where people are, are there, there's a lot of whatever, one idea, and then everybody kind of parrots that idea around. And if that idea doesn't work with for you, you start, to, you start to get imposter syndrome. You start to think, hey, maybe I should be jumping on this trend. Everybody in the world is doing it. It's like, no, Dave, 2,000 people in this one Facebook group are doing it. Yeah. And it feels like that's your whole world, but it's not. And I think I'm not talking about geographical stuff at all now, but but that is a struggle. No, no, no. I know what you're saying, though. I mean, it's... Yeah. I was just having a conversation with my wife last night, and she loves spending time on TikTok. And, um, you know... (laughs) And uh, I don't... I, I mean, I have an account on there for work. It's been a long time since I've uploaded anything up on there. But, you know, one thing like for me is like in my career on the video end, it's like, you know, it's so easy to fall into these traps of these trends that, okay, this is the, this is what everyone's doing. Do this pose. And yeah, it's going to look 
awesome for uh, 2023, maybe specifically like July 2023. But then like... Gonna look super dated in 2030 though. Yeah, and for me, like, I just like, we, we were having a conversation about it. And I, was, I said to her, I was like, you know, it's one of the reasons why like, I feel like my films have been able to hold up over all these years is because my films, I'm biased, of course, but I feel like my films for the most part are timeless. I mean, and I don't jump on those trends for the most part, you know, like I stick true to like my foundation of what I feel is important on how to capture a day and, and capture it true to life. I, I do lean more into the, the candid and documentary style. And I feel like by doing that, it's, it's true to life. And when you look back at this, 5, 10, 20, 30 years from now, those films are going to hold up uh, a lot better. Not saying that other weddings that do fall down that rabbit hole of all the trends aren't. If the couple, I, I will absolutely say that, that if your entire creative coverage from your wedding is based on TikTok trends in 10 years, you are going to hate all of your content. Yeah, I mean, call me in ten years and tell me I'm wrong. Yeah, but. you know what? You and I uh, are definitely you know feel the same way about this, and and I think there's definitely like a market for everything out there, right? You know, some some people like definitely fall into those uh, market trends, and I think that uh, we're really rambling on here. And I apologize to our listeners about this, <laughs> but that's what happens sometimes on this podcast. But I feel as though like. I have to stop myself from being angry or upset about these trends because it's like, you know what? It's not who I am and it's not what I'm going to do. So I'm not going to like lean into that. If someone else wants that, by all means, go ahead. But just be prepared, you know, down the road. Like I hope down the road, you're still going to like it. The jury is going to be out on that in 10, 15, maybe two years from now. As long as you're not to go like too hard. I was photographing, I was second photographed with a good friend of mine, Amelia of Magnifique Photography on Sunday, the beautiful wedding at the Fairmont. And she was doing all this TikTok stuff for the bride. And I don't want to sound like I'm coming across ripping on <laughs> no, no, doing that because she's also taking that, that documentary candid comment. And if you're, I don't have the mental bandwidth. She's a fucking rock star. I don't, I don't have the mental bandwidth to do all of those things at the same time. So I don't. As long as you're still getting, like, do the trendy stuff. Have your fun on the wedding day. Don't let it take away. If you're making a choice between a TikTok video or a, a beautiful photo of you hugging your mom, yeah, fucking hug your mom, man. Like, yeah. why is this? Why are we even talking about it? The last thing I've got written down on my notes for that for that question was the. I guess it wasn't my biggest struggle. It was how I beat that struggle. It was the realization that. I don't have to be trendy or fit into that box to still be successful. And it took being successful to largely make that realization. And it's so easy to say, I'm getting enough work to support myself. Yeah. And it's so easy to say that when you're getting enough work. And it's so hard to say it when you're not. And for anybody who's listening who's trying to get into the creative field, take the hit on those first couple of years like, like I didn't listen to the advice and I wish I had just do what you want to do. And it might mean that's a little bit slower off the start, but once that train is rolling, that train is going to be full of the things that all that momentum is your momentum, not trend momentum. And that momentum is going to keep going for a decade. Whereas that trend momentum, you have to keep 
refilling those those boxes. You have to keep saying, okay, what's the next trend? I got to stay on this train and, and do all that. And it just sounds exhausting. I'd, yeah. I'd much happier doing something that if you can be be passionate, there's a, a wedding group, forget which one it's called here, and their their banner image is do it with passion or don't do it at all. I love I think that. I'm paraphrasing that a little bit. Do it with passion or not at all. Something like that. And I believe in that so strongly. I hate seeing wedding vendors when you can tell they're just phoning it in and they're doing it for a check. And it's like, if you are not here because you want to be here and you are passionate about, let there are other people who want to be here, let them be here. It's like, you see a hockey player complaining about playing hockey. It's like, dude, there's a lot of people who want to be in your skates right now. Let the person who wants to be in those skates be in the skates. And when you can surrender, when you can build a vendor team as a couple full of vendors who are genuinely passionate about your day, once they're all booked, you are going to have the absolute best wedding because we all come together as a team and we all, we all want to have a great party and we're all stuck behind our various tools or stuff during the party. We might not be like tie around our head on the middle of the dance floor at 1130. <laughs> might be, who knows, but, but it's going to be amazing because people are passionate about it. And I, I just, I believe in that so, so firmly hire people who are doing their jobs because they want to be doing them, not because they want your, your money, your chips. Yeah. No, I 100% like agree with that. I'm so passion driven. It's why I left my previous career because, um, I felt out of the passion for it and this industry, like I'm constantly like feeling inspired and passionate about one like how the the industry makes me feel and the work that you know I create but just like I love the impact that I can make on people and that's the type of person I want to be I want to be an, an impactful person in the world I want to be someone that's contributing to the world in a in a better way I want to leave the planet better than when I came and I know you're the same way. And so it's one of the reasons why like I wanted you on the podcast. It's one of the reasons why I will, you know, vouch for you because I think when people hire you, it's not just any photographer you're getting. You're getting someone who truly gives a damn about your day, uh, maybe even more than you do. <laughs> Natalie has absolutely called me that on on at weddings. And she's just like, Dave is more excited about this right now than you guys are at your yeah. wedding. I, and I believe it. I believe it. It's I, awesome, I, I, though. I've seen it's... it with my own eyes. <laughs> I love being able to bring that energy. I love being able to... You know, I just said something about being impactful. And I think we're... It's not us being impactful. It's our couples and our their, their family and friends being impactful. But we're capturing that energy. And I don't like using the word capture. But we're taking that energy and giving it back to them after their day. They had that, and maybe they missed the energy. Maybe they were over here, and the energy was happening over there, and we and we created a photo or a video or whatever of that, and then we give that energy back to them a month later, a, a year later, ten years later, and uh, it's, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It's how cheesy again, but it's it's just so nice. No, I love it. I love it. So let's talk about those couples, and I really want to lean into. You know the couples that adventure elopements. Yeah, like the the couples that uh, typically uh, book with you. How would you describe them? Like, you know, we talk about uh, these profiles a lot of times in our industry. Is like, you know, we're always looking for that, that 
that ideal client. That's the word. Right. And <laughs> I, I'm curious to know, like, just based on like your experience on the couples that typically do inquire with you and book with you for elopements, what's maybe special or unique about them compared to someone who's wanting a traditional wedding with 200 of their closest friends and family? So this is now the last set of notes that I have written down. So I'll apologize in advance that if you thought it was rambling now, just wait. But this one I do have notes for. So uh, typically, people who are eloping, they fall into one of of three boxes. And I hate putting people in boxes. Everybody is a unique flower and all that. But it just lines up that way. So I'm sorry, but it's the way it is. It's all good. So one of them, it's people who don't want to have the big traditional wedding. They get social anxiety being in a big room. They don't get along with any of their aunts and uncles. They don't like dancing. That sounds crazy, but there are those among us who don't. And there's nothing wrong with them. Please call me and get me for your allotment. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's the and that's the traditional reason that you would elope is you just well, not really, I guess. But anyways, that's people elope because they don't want to have a big wedding. And then, you know, obviously once you realize, hey, I don't have to have a big wedding, I'm allowed to do whatever I want to, then that's where the adventure part comes in. If if you are a hikey, outdoorsy, naturey sort of person, as so many of us in Alberta are, that then becomes the obvious choice. Hey, I can just I'm not doing weddings, so now I can do this wherever I want. Let's do it on top of a mountain. That's that's an easy decision to make. Uh so that's that's my number one. My number two is they don't have a huge family or friend group, but still want to have a special day. We did one of these a couple of weeks ago and still totally awesome. So a lot of the times when we think about um, an elopement, it's five people. Sometimes a lot of us kind of draw the line at 10, 20 or 30. But maybe you've only got a dozen people that you want to be celebrating with. Either you've got a really small family. I only had like three family members at my wedding. Nothing wrong with that. It's just families all over the the country. I don't have a super close relationship with a lot of the cousins and stuff. So that was just, that was who came out. Same with friend group. I Also, we, I've been very lucky to make a bunch of wonderful friends out here. So I can't put myself in that box, but I understand it. When we first moved, we knew no, nobody. And if we had gotten married six months after, I just wouldn't have had anybody to invite that didn't have to get, get on a plane. So you want to do something special for your day, but you've only got 10, 12 people coming with you. You may not be throwing a raging dance party, but let's hike up a mountain. Let's go somewhere really epic because we can do that because we don't need 200 chairs because we don't need all those things that you need to have when you're entertaining that many people. So it just gives you those options to do to do whatever you want to. And so you can. And There's less restrictions. Absolutely. Right? In a lot of ways, there's a lot more freedom yeah. to do whatever you want because this is your day in the end. It is. And and you know, when when you have 200 people, almost definitely some of them aren't going to be able to make it up the mountain. And for sure, definitely Parks Canada is going to have an issue when there's 200 people standing in one field in a mountain. We love and so Parks you dodge Canada, a lot of way. <laughs> <laughs> And then the final reason, and this is the best reason, is they want to do something unique or special that represents who they are or themselves. And that 
I, I not even just for elopements. That is something that if you are planning a wedding or any sort of celebration of your love, that is should be your primary focus. What gets you excited, and how can you incorporate that into your day? How can you show the people that you're sharing it with, whether it's two hundred of your friends, a dozen of your friends, or just your new best friend, me? How can you share that thing that you love with them? And of course, with adventure elopements, most of the people that we're talking about are avid nature enjoyers who love hiking and the outdoors. So using that as, as an example, of course, and let's go do that thing that you're really excited about. Maybe you're not big on going out to the club and dancing your butt off till two in the morning. And that's sad for you, but totally fine. If what you do for fun is is hiking, Let's make that a major part of your day. Let's celebrate your love while we're also celebrating your shared, um, the shared thing that you do together. Let's <laughs> let's let's make that part of your day so that in ten years, when you look back on this, you're not. If you are a person who loves hanging out with their friends, when you look back on your photos in ten years at a traditional wedding, you're going to have photos with a bunch of your friends celebrating together and that's a great representation of who you were in that time mm -hmm. if what you do every weekend is go out hiking with your partner let's do that so in 10 years you have this beautiful memory of this time in your life hopefully you're still doing this but this time in your life when you got to go hiking and celebrate your love that way and so for me that's anyways that's the, that's the third box that i like to put people in and like i mentioned that's to me the most important box. I really love that when when we're going hiking with couples and they're like telling me, hey, we picked this hike because we got engaged up here, had this really memorable hike up here when we first started, started dating. We've always loved the view from up here. One of many reasons why there's that personal connection when there's that personal connection or hey we've never been up here but we always talked about it so we wanted to come up here with you Dave. All of those are great reasons for for choosing to do that as a way of having your unique day. So yeah, to me, that's that's why. I mean, of course, like escaping, hanging out with your mother-in-law who is wearing a questionably colored, maybe white dress to your wedding is another reason, but that's, I don't want to bring negativity into it. I want to keep it positive and I want to say you're doing this because... <laughs> I get it though. Yeah. Most of the time, people are doing it because they want they want a unique celebration of who they are and to be surrounded by nature. I mean, the nature is a big one, too. A lot of people, I did um, a lovely couple week or so ago, and they just, we, it wasn't a long hike we did, but it was a hike. And they just really wanted to be somewhere that felt private, which is very hard in Banff. Somewhere that felt private, surrounded by nature, they also shared, I, I, I really don't like when there's like human-made infrastructure. I don't want to be standing on a deck or a concrete path. I want to feel like I want to be, don't buy into this stuff that much, but I want to be grounded. I want my toes to feel the earth. And that's what they wanted. You want to get a little dirty here. Yeah, let's get dirty. Life is messy. Life, life is dirty. <laughs> yes, this is a, a PG-rated uh Probably G-rated. Well, I, I don't know. You swore a couple times on this podcast. I did swear so. a couple times. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> that's all good. I got no sponsors to, to report to. So Excellent. Not yet, at least. <laughs> yeah. So what are some uh, really important factors for couples to consider 
when they are yellow paint because there are some limitations when it does come. I know we talked about before having all this freedom, but in some ways, like you, you can't just anywhere. There are some restrictions involved. Do you want to touch on that a little bit? Yes. And the first factor or restriction that I will touch on, I'm going to bring it right back to what we were just talking about with the family or mother-in-law thing. You do kind of have to consider that where you're going, like if you're going to have any guests with you or even just yourself, you have to consider where you're going to be able to make it to. And oftentimes, if you are coming out with a half a dozen people and maybe your parents, maybe it's just your parents, but your parents are still coming out and your parents are probably a little bit older than we are. Sometimes I'm finding that parents are a little bit closer to my age, but that's a different conversation. We're young. Yeah, we're young. We're young and hip and cool. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. Pause for laughter. So you you do have to consider who your guests are and whether or not all of them will be able to make it to to where you want to go. And it's everybody wants to get married on the top of a peak, but can we make it to the top of the peak? Can we do it safely? Can we do it safely and comfortably with everyone who's coming with us? Are we going to be in a state where we want photos of ourselves taken after we've made it up there? Do we care about that state? Those are all definite considerations. Just the, are we hiking? How far are we hiking? How far can we all go? And what is everybody's fitness level? Like that's a, that's a very, fairly obvious, but major, major consideration factor that you, you need to consider when you're eloping. There are lots of roadside spots you can elope in Banff as well that still have beautiful scenery. One of my favorites is Bow Lake up to 93, and that's you're standing inside a postcard five minutes from the parking lot. So there's, of course, options, but just something that you do need to consider there. And then also on the family note, you also need to consider that if your family's not going to be there, there may be a little bit of, let's say, blowback. Just in terms of mom being like nice way of saying what do you mean you're already married i told all 17 of your aunts you were going to feed them dinner at your wedding and they were going to bring all their ipads with them to capture oh, it during the ceremony yeah <laughs> I'm in front of my face and you guys can't see it right now yeah, but it's yeah. terrible so that's like the family thing for elopements is a huge is a huge consideration oftentimes people are eloping to avoid the family so it's already been a consideration, but it's definitely something to think about how far or where you want to hike. And I can get into more like the technical stuff, like the time of day when you're eloping. A lot of times people are eloping because they want, as a photographer, it's weird for me to say this, but because they want epic photos of the mountains or them in the mountains, which isn't really the right reason to be choosing where and how you're getting married. But I love that people are choosing that reason. And on that note, you can't do that as well at two in the afternoon as you can at six in the morning. And so if you're going out and you're saying, hey, I want that one big epic poster-sized shot on my living room wall where I'm half an inch big and there's clouds and mountains and everything everywhere, again, definitely call me because I want to be there with you. But that there's there are weather considerations to put in there. Yeah. Maybe talk to your vendors and see if people are flexible on on timing and 
other vendors get annoyed when I say this because I don't book as much as they do, but maybe you want to see if you can book a two or three day window and pick the best weather day. Maybe you want to just be flexible on the one day you're choosing and, and two days before make a sunrise or sunset call, depending on what the weather's calling for. Maybe decide to be flexible on locations so that, hey, you know what? It's supposed to rain in K country, but it's going to be beautiful up to 93. Let's switch things up or vice versa, which is what I did. Just being flexible. For our wedding, we were supposed to get married at Bow Lake and there was a huge snowstorm coming in and we were very lucky to be able to do this, but we actually moved it to the, we were going to do sunrise and we moved it to sunset the day before to dodge a bit of that snow. And we moved from the 93 to K country because driving 93 snow, if you're in Alberta, you know what I'm talking about. If you're not in Alberta, most of our guests weren't either, which is why we didn't make them go there. (laughs) So lots of, lots of things to consider if you are an avid hiker, which I hope you are, if you're choosing to do a hiking elopement, you're already going to know a lot of these things. But just recognize that you're you're applying that same choose a hike logic in the same way when you've got a plan to hike on a Saturday and Friday night, you're like, oh, they're calling for a lot of rain. Let's make a change here. Having that flexibility is is a super, super helpful thing to to kind of apply to your apply to your elopement. Yeah, which you can't necessarily do with a traditional wedding, right? It's very difficult. What you set that date out like twelve to eighteen months out, and uh, rain or shine or or snow or sleet, it's happening, right? And with an elopement, you know, you do have a lot more flexibility. And yep. and I find uh, couples that have booked me for elopements, like it's not necessarily a um, a date that they're really caring about. It's more of like a place, a place, and it just works for them. But there's a range there, which is great. I know we were going to talk about this a little bit later on, but you touched on this just now about the timeline. What is a typical like timeline for you on a wedding uh, a wedding day with an elopement? Because I know it varies from couple to couple. But do you want to maybe kind of go over a couple examples of timelines that you've worked with? So yeah, great question. Huge, big, varied answer to that. We. It can do anything. We do a lot of, I'm going to, and this is not a sexy name for them, but basically roadside elopements in Banff. You're coming out to the mountains. Maybe you're not a hikey person, but you love beautiful scenery. You don't love waking up early and you like having dinner at 6 p.m. So you're going to get married at two in the afternoon and we're going to hang out for half an hour through your ceremony and another hour for portraits. And then you're going to go on your merry way. That's that's one, I'll, I'll say extreme, one, one extreme example. And then the other side, I should have started with this one first because this is the fun one. But And then the other side of that is let's get the day going at 2 a.m. so that we can spend three hours hiking up a mountain in the dark so that we can have a ceremony as the sun crests over the mountains. And then we can spend the next two or three hours in those mountains, taking beautiful, unique, unforgettable, timeless imagery. And then we're going to spend another three hours hiking down the mountain. I mean, we're already at like eight hours of day at this point, which sounds like a full day. But when you put the math together, it's only like 11 in the morning because we started at 2 a.m. From there, we're normally cutting people loose. You can also, I mean, you can roll that straight into a traditional wedding reception. You can go out and couples do do this. 
you can get married on top of a mountain at sunrise. Come, in fact, this was our plan, and it just got derailed because of snow. It's a cruel joke that I do this for everyone else besides myself. <laughs> you can do that whole day, come back down, have a nap in the afternoon, and then go to your wedding reception and party and dance with your friends till two in the morning. That sounds like a 24-hour long day, and it is. So it's not something that's picked up on very often. But just like I said, it's the two extremes. And you can go from the two hours at two in the afternoon to 24 hours of mountainy goodness and partying. You can also, you can do overnight stuff. We can hike out one night, go to somewhere in the backcountry. Let's go 20 kilometers into the mountains somewhere, set up camp, get you married the next day at sunrise, of course, hike to another campsite, do some photos of you at sunrise in the evening, maybe have another nap, wake up at one in the morning, get some photos of you underneath the Milky Way. Since we're already awake, let's hang out and get another sunrise at another beautiful location. Wake up again and then hike back out. And then, well, now now we're at like 48 hours, but it's (laughs) <laughs> take me with you take me with you this weekend right it sounds it's a dream for me like that's it's not for everyone but it is not for everyone there is it sounds a lot like of a nightmare for a lot of people or listening they're like yeah that sounds amazing yeah it's a lot but it is a lot but if it's something you want to do if it's something you're doing anyways for me that's i'll go and do that in the middle of winter while nobody's paying i just want to sleep outside in the woods and hike really long distances when I, even when I describe it to myself, it sounds stupid, but, but it's awesome. And if you're the kind of person who wants to do that anyways, all of this rambling is just to say, find something that you love to do in your life. And let's do that for your wedding. Hell, tell me you love go-karting and we'll get you married on a track. It's, it's, Oh, that'd be so cool. It's whatever you want. It's whatever you're passionate about i'm passionate about people in love and going on adventures with them what that adventure is is up to the people in love now i can i love it when that adventure lines up with with the same adventures that i like but a day of it doesn't matter if we're having a good time together we're having a good time and so it's it's whatever whatever it looks like i did not answer the timeline question at all but no no it's okay <laughs> it's all good like I think it very it varies depending on the couple, right? And that's the nice thing about elopements is like you can really customize the whole experience to the couple. And this is a good segue into my next question: is how do you charge for these elopements? Because it will vary from couple to couple, and depending on what they're wanting, if they're wanting just having you for a couple hours, or you know, we're doing a forty eight hour extravaganza, you know, through the mountains and. Uh, We're going to get to know each other very well over those 48 hours. Absolutely. So I'm going to preface this by saying, if you're listening to this podcast in five years from now and you reach out to me, I hope everything's the same, but it might not be because we're all running small businesses and and models change. Inflation. And I'm also going to say that in the same way that elopements are often unique and tailored to the couple, a lot of vendors who do elopements offer unique packages or price things differently. So I'm going to describe how I do it, but I don't want any listeners to assume that that's how everybody else does it, or especially that that's how everybody else should do it. Because there is 
The same way there's no way you should get married, there's no way you should be running your business. And it all absolutely different different strokes for different folks. We're all puzzle pieces that fit together differently. And some of us don't fit together, and some of us do. So having said that, for the traditional roadside elopements, it's it's a very similar pricing model to weddings. It's it's an, an hourly price. I'm right now charging I'm 1800 bucks for two hours. It's like two to three hours on the side of the road. It's enough time to get you married, do some beautiful portraits afterwards. Anybody who's with you, we're going to do some family formals as well. Then it's kind of a standard what you would expect if you didn't really know much about the world sort of sort of option there. Beyond that, we also do like full day coverage where it's we kind of flat rate you for the day and that I believe we're six grand for right now. And that's whatever you're doing. We call it the dawn till dusk. Is that with just yourself or? Uh... So that's myself and my wife. And we are hanging out with you guys for the day. We'll get some getting ready photos, wedding portraits. It's mostly just portraits when it's elopements and that's fine. It gives us lots of travel time. Like we're not taking photos for eight hours. That's I, I run out of material. Like my entire job is just telling dad jokes to make you smile. And I don't have that many. I got like <laughs> 90 minutes worth on max. So so it's it's you know, but we figure out what you're doing with your day. There's no time crunch. We do do a nice lunch. Normally we'll cut couples loose uh, around dinner time. If it's middle of summer, we'll grab dinner and hang out through that. Oftentimes they feed me, which is nice. And then we'll go out for sunset afterwards. But the exciting stuff that we all want to talk about is hiking. When we're really going on a proper adventure and we're not just driving around to roadside spots, which is awesome. But we're doing something cool. We're going to the backcountry. Maybe we're camping. Maybe we're hiking up to a ridgeline of sunrise. This is the part where where I wanted to preface it by saying that everybody runs the businesses differently. I don't, I don't charge for hiking. That eighteen hundred bucks for two hours, where where we're doing your elopement and we're getting you married on the side of the road, I will charge you eighteen hundred dollars to hike up to the top of a mountain with you, and spend two hours up there with you photographing, and then hike back down. And very few people run that model. Most of us are charging for hiking, so just like be forewarned. But I don't because I love it, and it's all I want to do. For me, I don't double or triple book my days or anything. So I'm, it, it's happened before, but strongly try to avoid it so that that flexibility we were talking about earlier so that I'm able to offer that to my clients. So on your on your day, once you've kind of booked me, that day is pretty much much yours. And if if I'm driving up to Bow Lake or I'm hiking up Rundle, it's the same difference for me. I don't care if I'm using my car's legs or my legs. I just want to get where you want to get so we can make awesome photos together. So that's what about permits like I mean, do you just build that in to your pricing already? It's like, there's just this, uh, just, or is it? Most, so you said permits, and I feel like you meant licenses, but I'm going to answer both. So I carry my annual licenses for the majority of the Canadian Rockies. That's Banff, Yoho, Jasper, Kananaskis, Town of Banff, Town of Canmore, but we're going to talk more about Canmore in a second. And that's, if it sounds like a lot, it is. And it's very unnecessarily expensive. I'm looking at you, Canadian government. But it's what it is. It's about $2,000 a year worth of worth of licenses. That gets me licenses to photograph in any of those places that I mentioned. 
the vast majority of which do not require permits. Now, the caveat with not requiring permits, man, we should put like an earmark on this. This is probably the first really good info we've talked about so far. The caveat with with permits and not needing them is that it's mostly for 20 people or less. And I always mix these two up. So I'm just going to say 20 people or less for anywhere, but some of the national parks, I believe, are actually 30 people and Kananaskis is 20, or it's backwards and Kananaskis is 30 and the parks are 20. Either way, we're just going to say 20 people because then you're safe. So as long as you have 20 people or less, including your officiant and your vendors, that's me, and you aren't setting up an arch, you can have like a bucket of fake flowers next to you, but no arch, and you aren't setting up chairs, maybe one or two for grandma and grandpa, but no chairs, you don't need a permit. You can go pretty much anywhere you want in the National Park or Canada. Actually, I lied there, but I'm going to circle back to it in a second. You can go pretty much anywhere you want to in any of the places that I mentioned and just get married. The The lie I just told is Parks Canada does have a permit that you're technically supposed to get. It is a free permit and they don't really check for it, but you can get in touch with Parks Canada and just you fill out a little form and they give you a little info package back and basically tell you to just hang a little sign somewhere that says wedding in progress, please do not disturb. They do say not to set up your wedding on a path, which sounds obvious, but definitely needs to be said, looking at you, Lake Louise. You can't block off areas. You can't basically ruin anyone else's experience. The park is for all of us to enjoy, and just because you're getting married... It's a shared space. It is a shared space, and the wedding doesn't make you special. It does make you special, but not in the eyes of the park. So... Be polite to other visitors. You can take up the same amount of space as somebody would who is going out for a picnic with their family. But you have to understand that when you're having a picnic with your family, sometimes another family is going to have a picnic next to you. And if your picnic is actually a wedding, there may still be a family having a picnic next to you. And if you'd like there to not be, the advice is to walk farther away from the parking lot. Not Lake Louise. Further you go, the the, the less distractions farther you yeah. go the less people around absolutely that's i tell people if, if there's too many crowds walk 15 minutes away from the parking lot and it is dramatic how much that drops off what was the question again i was rambling and i had more ramble for you like i think originally we were talking just about just like the pricing and and then we were talking about like the permits permits yes permits and licenses okay this i've got a bunch of stuff on this one this is a a i i answered this question a lot it's a super Popular topic, a lot of photographers are often confused, especially if you're not directly from here. So that's the licenses. Well, licenses and permit story. But licenses, your photographers should be carrying their licenses. That's, to me, that's on the... If I'm advertising, hey, I do work in the mountains, I should be licensed to do work in the mountains. Permits are different than licenses. Permits are in addition to... and. I mentioned that one free permit you can get from Parks Canada. That'll do that'll do any of the, the national parks. I don't think there is one for Kananaskis. I think that's just a free-for-all. I didn't think there was. Like not that no, I've there is been a license, aware of. But there's no there's no permit. Yeah. Town of Canmore. I don't want to call you out, but you're the only one doing this, so I'm going to. Town of Canmore, in their infinite wisdom, decided to start having wedding photographers get the same 
permits as television production crews. Yep. I can guess why they wanted to do that, but I'm not going to do that. So what I will do is talk about what it means. It means that if you are photographing, and I'm assuming also filming, because that would make sense, but it doesn't make sense to begin with, so who knows. If you are photographing in the town of Canmore, and just inside the town boundaries, Google can point you to exactly what those were, but it's really like in the town, not on private property. So like on the sidewalk in one of their beautiful parks, those sort of spots, like Cory Lake, for instance, you need to get, in addition to your license, a film permit where basically you say, this is where I'm going to be, how many people I'm going to be there with, how long we're going to be there for. Like if you were filming a TV show, except not. Pause for annoyance. And then, yeah, so that's 100 bucks to get that permit. I don't think there's a lot of like check on it, really. Like you just kind of give them your $100 and then you're able to do it. Um, but that it's honor rule, I guess. It's in some ways it's been a rule forever, but they've yeah. anyways. That's a one-off. So you can't most of the licenses are annual. Um, town of Canmore and Town of Banff. You can buy an annual license. You can also buy a day pass. The town of Banff, it's three hundred dollars for one day. You might as well just buy the annual pass. The town of Canmore, it's seventy-five dollars for three days. That's a very good deal. I've done that. But in the town of Canmore, you also need a $100 permit per one day to go to locations. And then there's also the gray area that isn't really gray. We all know the answer. We just choose to not always listen to it, where none of us are guides. Even if you are looking at a photographer and their website says, I'm a mountain elopement guide. I really want to name a name here, but I'm not going to. But if you're if you're looking at a wedding photographer's website and it says they are a mountain guide, they are probably lying to you and they're almost definitely not. We aren't allowed to bring people to very many places. There is a short list that you get from, from Parks Canada, from Kananaskis, of areas we are allowed to bring couples. And it's the basic stuff. They're usually always pretty busy. It's very hard packed trails. If you're hiking and you're like, wow, this trail is four feet wide and it's really packed down, that's somewhere we are allowed to bring you. The aforementioned gray area, please don't change these rules because I just said them. The aforementioned gray area is that if you tell me, hey, I really want to hike up this mountain and get married and have photos taken up there, I'm going to say, sounds great. I will meet you there. And Still a little bit of a gray area, but I'm not guiding you there. You're getting there of your own free will and volition and hiking abilities. And I'm meeting you up at the top because we are not, none of us are trained guides. And there's a lot of safety things that come into play when you're hiking in the mountains that if you're an avid hiker, you probably already know about. And well, yeah, just you should know those safety things. And I do not have the accreditation to kind of sign off on you knowing those or saying, I'm going to take care it's of a liability. It's a huge liability. So that's my fine print on getting married in the mountains. I definitely appreciate your transparency and uh, your openness to, to talk about it because I know uh, there are photographers that are, and videographers that do listen to this podcast. And there's been a lot of like misinformation that has been put out there and it just seems really cloudy. So it, it 
talking to someone who does this on a regular basis. You live in Banff now. It's really insightful. So thank you so much for uh, sharing that. You said the word transparency, and I am very passionate about transparency in business and in information in general. I hate the idea of, of gatekeeping, and I think it's so important that everybody is able to make informed decisions. And all that stuff I just described sounds a little heavy and sounds a little bit like I'm saying you can't go get married on top of a mountain. And that's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say, know what the rules are and make an informed choice. Be educated and then make a decision there so that you know what you're doing and you know, hey, if I'm breaking a rule, I had a boss way back in the day that he had a bunch of like sayings. I almost want to say proverb, but that's not the right word. But one of them was, if you're going to do something stupid, be smart about it. And that's the whole saying. If you're going to go and you want to get a photo of yourself taken on the edge of a cliff, that's kind of stupid because it's dangerous, but also awesome. And you're going to do it anyway. So be smart about it. Make sure when you're walking out there that you're confident in your footing, that you're wearing proper footwear, that you've traveled on this sort of terrain before. All of those sorts of things. Yeah, that's it. Being stupid, be smart. That's advice Advice that'll keep you alive. That should be the, the title for this podcast. I love it. Uh, <laughs> you know, we're, we're almost uh, just uh, you know, running out of time here, but I wanted to uh, roll back and, and talk about some funny stories. Because uh, I'll let you go first about if there's any uh, funny stories that have come along your way. And then I'll uh, let the listeners in on uh, what happened on my very first wedding in the mountains. Um, I might actually throw this one back to you. I don't, I, everybody asks, you know, my funny story is that almost every wedding I go to, people say, oh, you must have all these great stories. And we have some all right stories I can talk about getting hail on your wedding day in the middle of August, which happens surprisingly often in Alberta. And then there's like a few embarrassing stories that I probably shouldn't be sharing about couples. But for the most part, we, the clients that we get, the friends that we make are just awesome people who, who do similar sorts of things, things to us. And so I, maybe there are funny stories and they just don't jump out at me as being funny because it just feels like a normal experience to me. But I don't, I don't have horror, horror stories of, you know, bridezillas or, or crazy wedding guests doing like nutso things. Like we've had a few people get a little bit too drunk for sure at weddings. Um, but for the most part, things have stayed pretty above board for all of our all of our weddings, I'm mostly vamping here to see if something comes to mind. And there really isn't, there really isn't much. Like we've had, said this was a PG-13 con- podcast. We've definitely had some windy days on top of mountains that combined with some wardrobe choices had led to things being decidedly not PG-13. And that's just something that happens. And of course, those photos kind of just disappear into the ether. And, and, yeah. and you know, we keep everything looking the way it's supposed to but you know that's the that sort of stuff yeah no i one time i forgot my hiking this was recent actually this summer i forgot my hiking boots because i didn't it was a i'll say regular wedding and i didn't realize we were hiking in the middle of the day so i had to hike up the side of a mountain in my sandals oh my god 
It was fine. They were keen sandals, so they were kind of supportive. Uh, we survived that one. There's been a few sunrise hikes where we've learned things about ourselves and our fitness levels that we probably didn't realize before doing those hikes. So that, that was me last month in Oregon. Yeah. You realize real quick that on that wedding day, when, when that stress kicks in and you realize that like there's there, all that pressure on you, plus you've got 40 pounds on your back that you meant to be practicing with, but you just weren't, that all of a sudden you're just, I mean, it's a good thing we're not in the photos, right? Because you just turned into a sweaty mess. But most part, weddings, wedding days are awesome. So my very first wedding I ever filmed was in Jasper. I was very lucky. It was for some friends of ours. And I was so nervous, obviously. I just wanted this just to go off uh, without a hitch. Although, I guess they did get hitched. Anyhow, I've been filming with the, uh, the Panasonic GH5. And it, it can do both video and photo. Well, the photo feature with the camera is unique in a sense where you can actually have a setting on where it looks like you're shooting film, but in reality, you're actually taking a whole bunch of photos. Wait, when you say film, you don't mean like a Fuji film? No, film no, situation. video. Sorry. You mean it looks like you're doing video, it, uh, but it's actually doing a bunch of photos. Yeah. And I know where this is going. <laughs> this happened during a portrait session for my very first wedding where I thought like, man, I'm getting some amazing shots here. This is great. And then afterwards I realized, oh, Kevin, you were actually oh no, recording uh, 6K photos during this time. Luckily, I was able to catch it uh in time where I was able to actually get some actual video footage of the Porsche recession, but I missed out on a lot of great clips. When you're doing that, is it giving you like 6K photos at 30 photos a second or? Yeah, basically like it was like, it was like almost like a time lapse in a sense, but it was just, yeah. but it just the way it, it was put together, it was just like, oh my God, Kevin, it's like, I've never made that mistake ever since. You know, you learn real fast. You only make those mistakes once. Yeah. Yeah, we've had, I had one wedding and I won't mention which one of our photography team was responsible for this, but it isn't the one who's here right now. Anyways, I'm going through all the photos and I'm, and people talk a lot about crop sensor and full frame cameras and the differences between them and full frame, like especially in wedding photography world, like full frame is that gold standard. And people are like, oh, crop sensors for the peasants. But then there's this whole argument that nobody can tell the difference. Wow. I'm looking through all these photos and I'm just calling at this point. Like I haven't even started editing. I'm like, why do these look funny? Well, it turns out the camera spent the entire morning in crop mode. In fact, it spent the entire first eight hours of the day in crop mode. Oh, my. And the only reason we realized this is because we were getting ready to shoot port our speeches. We're photographing speeches. And normally when we do speeches, I will I like to layer the couple and the speaker into the same frame. And I'll figure out where that happens, and I'll usually stay in that spot for the majority of speeches and get that one composition while Natalie is getting other stuff or vice versa. She'll stand in the one spot and I'll hop around getting guest reactions or whatever. Well, 
she, I'm standing right next to her and I've got my 50 millimeter on and I'm like, here's the comp. And she's got her 35 millimeter on and she's like, yeah, it looks just like this. And I'm like, wait a minute. These things aren't supposed to look the same, but they do. And that's when we realized that her camera had been in. Whoops, I did just blame her. Um, that's when we realized that her camera had been in crop mode this whole morning. Now, the clients never know. Even if they're listening to this, they're not going to know because I never told them. Nobody would know. But anyways, I did find a funny story. Yeah, it, it's amazing. Like There's things that have happened in my career as well in since I've been doing this uh, since 2017 where there's been some errors and mistakes that have been made on my part, on my uh, shooter's parts that the couple will never know. Uh, and then there's other times where, no, I, I really uh, you know, messed up big time and uh, you have to have a very uncomfortable, blunt conversation with your couple. And yeah, it sucks. It really, really sucks. You said we were telling stories at the end and on a positive note. This sounds very sad. We need a we need yeah. a happy story. <laughs> well, the the happy story is that we've been talking for uh, over an hour here, and I, I feel like a lot of people got a lot of great knowledge out of this. I wish that uh, they could see your your glorious beard and the, <laughs> and the backdrop, you know, your logo and, and your guitar in the back. So you haven't. Uh, straight away from uh, your roots. So I love that. Um, how can people find you on the web? Um, Worn Leather Media. I was so excited when I got that name because I thought it was going to be super easy to spell. Everybody hears it and they think I'm saying Warm Leather, which would be a super weird name <laughs> for a photography color company. So it is Worn Leather Media, W-O-R-N. Uh, Instagram at Worn Leather Media warnleathermedia.ca, facebook.com slash warnleathermedia, uh, Dave at warnleathermedia.ca, if you're doing the email thing. Would love to chat with anybody about any of this stuff, even if you're not looking to hire me and you've just got questions. Dave, I'm a photographer and I want to know how permits work. Dave, I'm a couple and we hired a photographer and they told us this was weird. Dave, I'm getting married on top of a mountain. What's your favorite mountain? Anything and everything. I'm always happy to talk to people. So. Feel free to. What conditioner you use for your beard? <laughs> um, it's made by Lush. Uh, it's a it's a combined beard face wash slash conditioner. I love. I it. use very little products in my beard, which everyone's always assumes like it's full of wax and oil and stuff all the time. I really don't put much in there. It just kind of. You're just naturally beautiful. I beautiful. I like that. That's. I'm assuming that's what you said. I don't think it was, but this has been great. No, this thank has you been for so having much me fun. on. It's been so much fun, Dave. We'll definitely uh, catch up uh, some more uh, because uh, our chats are always uh, this very insightful, but very like honest. So uh, thank you for this honest conversation that we've had. And I hope a lot of people that are listening to this will get a lot out of this and uh, reach out to you for uh, their future elopement or questions about uh, how you create the magic you create. Absolutely. Well, that's it. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Alberta Wedding Podcast. Each week, I will pull back the veil and introduce you to the faces behind the brands that you love in Alberta. Your feedback matters. It would mean a lot to me if you could leave a review and let me know what you think of this episode. Until next week, stay well and be merry.